0: different people approach the the Bible different ways. Um, I look for, uh, you know, anytime I see um, a command of any kind or instruction or wisdom and it's opened up to me by the Holy Spirit and the Word, I like to go ahead and ask the next question, why? Not that I won't do what God says to do until I understand. If God says jump, I want to jump because there's something in that jump Maybe that I don't know is beneficial to him or his kingdom or to me. But on the other hand, I, I press for the why. I press, I do. I press for the understanding. Because my Bible teaches me that when we gain understanding of anything, that we become established in a thing. We grow into it. We mature into it. It becomes a part of our life. Not just our thought process uh, our memory, but it becomes an actual part of our life. And we're taught... In the scripture to not just be hearers of the word but to be what doers of the word to make it our practice and there are a number of what we just refer to as disciplined responses that we are called to as christians uh, in life in our in our journey and in following following jesus uh, our response doesn't earn us anything from god in fact we don't do anything to be saved we do it because we are saved we don't do anything to earn the grace of God because you can't earn the grace of God. If you could earn grace, then what you got wouldn't be grace. Because by by nature, grace is unearned, unmerited favor and blessing from God. Well, You and I, whether you feel like it or not today, are living under an open heaven. And guess what? You didn't open it. I didn't open it through our good works. Jesus opened it. Through his thorough and complete work at the cross two thousand years years ago, but we find a number of these disciplined responses that we're commanded to follow and develop in this new life uh, in Christ Jesus. And one of those is in First Thessalonians in chapter five and verse eighteen, and it's sandwiched right between um, pray rejoice evermore, and then comes pray continually or pray without ceasing. The next one is in everything, give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And right after that one is quench not or grieve not the spirit of God. So just as important as praying continually or rejoicing evermore or certainly not grieving the Holy Spirit, we find this disciplined response of in everything, give thanks. You know, if there's one thing, I think, if I could impart one thing to another person, certainly another Christian in life, it would be a thankful heart. But it doesn't come by impartation. Certain things do. You can lay your hands on someone and impart certain things to them. But thanksgiving or a thankful spirit, a thankful heart can't be imparted. All right, It can be shared, but it can't be imparted because it is a choice that we make. Did you know that you can choose, regardless of what your circumstances are, to be thankful? Nobody can choose it for you. It is your choice. It's my choice. Here's the verse I I referred to a little bit earlier from the message translation, Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 4, again from the message. Though some tongues just love to taste of gossip, Christians have better uses for language than that. Don't talk dirty or silly. That kind of talk doesn't fit our style. Thanksgiving is our dialect. Say it again. Thanksgiving is our dialect. Again, Paul is exhorting the church at Ephesus to abandon the old lifestyle, to live uh, the new life that we possess in Christ Jesus And to live by the power of the Spirit of God. And among the different commands that he gives there, this is just one of them. He says this, he says, change the way you respond in life. Change the way you talk in life. Use your words to be productive. Life and death, the Bible says, are in the power of the tongue. Life and death, life and death, are in the power of the tongue. We can build or we can destroy by how we use our speech and how we use our words. It's important to be putting good things in your heart because Jesus also taught out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth would speak. All right, if you really want to retrain yourself, then change what's going in your heart to begin with. Amen. I don't know about you, but when I read my Bible, I never found, I never find God responding favorably to complaining. I never do. I haven't found one spot in all the Scripture where God really does love to hear people murmur and people complain. And I've never understood, you know, some people say when we get older, we start becoming complainers. And I've never understood why anyone would even consider doing that. As they, It would just seem to me that the older we get, the more we understand how good God really has been. Come on, help me with this. The older we get, the more of life we've experienced. I mean, the more we come to really see the hand of God, even and especially in our difficult times, we see the good hand of God reaching into our lives to help us. Complaining is something I've never done. Just kidding. Oh my God, the way you looked at me then, I don't know what what to do. Are you okay? Okay, I'm just joking with you. So I want to talk to you about some of the advantages of Thanksgiving today. Are you you up for that? Ready to take some notes? Uh, Let's just go through them. I think most of them are just, um, they're given, they're obvious. They're things that we, again, we we know, certainly know up here. And we want to know them deep in our heart. and, And more than that, we want to... Really practice. And that would be my challenge to you as we leave service today is just make the decision or make the decision again. Make the quality choice. I call it a no turning back decision. uh, Like you did when you made the decision to to follow Jesus in the first place. That this is something you will follow him in as well. That you're going to be a thankful and grateful person. And that you're going to be someone who praises God uh, regardless of what your circumstances are. The first advantage of Thanksgiving that I just made note of here, and I hope you will, is it's, it's the appropriate way to welcome God. The Scripture's really clear. It's just appropriate, you know. And maybe we need some, some re-education on uh, what's appropriate, what's not appropriate. One of my favorite series of all times that I still go back and listen to by a great teacher is The Art of Appropriate Living. Because I, I just, I think there's an appropriate way to live. I know you agree with this. And there's an inappropriate way to live as followers of Jesus Christ. And uh, Psalm 95 verse 2 says this. Let us come before his presence, God's presence, with thanksgiving. And make a joyful noise unto him with psalms. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad. Not mad. I will rejoice And be glad. I'll come with thanksgiving and not complaining. But Marshall, you don't know the the man I'm married to. I don't, but you made the choice to marry him. But there was a time where you were thankful for him. And you thought you couldn't live without him. Amen. This is not a day to talk down husbands and to talk down wives. This is not a day we should join in with the multitudes to talk down our children. This is a day in God to rejoice. Amen. Amen. Jesus, the same yesterday. Say it with me today and forever. Psalm 100 verse 4, another great verse. Enter into his gates, what? With thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. We do this with one another. We may not... We may not always say it this way, but when someone comes over, we're happy to see them. Uh, we're hosts or hostesses. We want them to feel welcome. We may say something like this when they walk through our door. We're so glad to see you. We're so happy that you came. We could just as easily have said, we're so thankful that you showed up today. Come on in. Make yourself happy at home there's just something appropriate and why is it appropriate because we are called not only to honor god but to honor one another and i don't have to tell you this that again the whole subject of honor the whole subject of respect is one that's been under attack since the garden of eden when satan stepped up and he tried to cast shadow on god's integrity did god really say this all right. So it's been ongoing forever. It just seems to me more and more of our generations, and probably generations before m- my generation, said the same thing. But we have pretty much long forgotten how to show real honor to one another uh, and also to, to God. Would you join with me in saying, Holy Spirit, help us return? Amen. Return to a place of honoring God the way you view honor, and the way you define it. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. So honor is important, and this is one way we do it. it, it the word uh, honor means to pay tribute, of course, or to show appreciation. For we endeavor to welcome the presence of God here today. Jesus said, we're two or more gathered in my name. There I am with them. And we endeavor to welcome God with thanksgiving and with praise uh, into this place, into this gathering. And as we gave him first place in our heart again today, Psalm 69 verse 30 says this, I will praise the name of God with a song and will magnify him with thanksgiving. Actually. So we had a, actually had a a, a napkin uh, out on a counter in our house over the holidays. We celebrated with Cindy's father who turns 90 next month and her sister was in town and her husband and our own children came over for a day and we enjoyed some time together and, and uh, there's a napkin laying out on our counter that actually quoted this psalm, Psalm sixty-nine, thirty. And when I passed by it, I noticed again, it says, I will glorify or magnify him. How do I do that? With thanksgiving. So again, why thanksgiving? Well, it honors God. It makes God bigger, come on, than our problem. It makes God bigger than you. And we got to remember that. We're not the solution to every problem. God is our solution. Amen. There's a song, I think, forgive me if I misquote the lyrics to it. I just heard it the other day, and and some of the song contains something like this, that it looks like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. What a great thought. Especially when life comes at you, and it can come at you really hard. It's nice to remember that even though it looks like I'm surrounded and the number surrounding me is greater in number than what I have to fight back, that God surrounds me. He is the head. Come on. He's around me. He surrounds me. He's my shield. The Bible says he's my buckler. He's all of that and more to me. All right. Magnify again means to make larger, make bigger. It's just the, the right thing, the appropriate thing always to defer to God. Would you agree with that, church family? To always let God be bigger and let Him be first than to push our way into that place. Number two, another advantage of thanksgiving is it opens the heart to communion. Uh, and that's a really special word, to communion with God and others Communion or fellowship is something that we can only share spirit to spirit. It manifests itself in a number of different ways in the natural. But it's really a spirit to spirit experience. God is a spirit. Those who worship him, the Bible says, must what worship him in spirit and in truth. Our heads get involved. Sure, our emotions, yes. You know, even our bodies get involved. But it's spirit to spirit. It's a very unique, special thing and uh, unique between God and those who follow Him and brothers and sisters in Christ who have the Spirit of God on the inside of them. We've got to remember what Jesus had to say about the heart. It's just capable of anything. It's capable of all kinds of evil things. It can be hard. It can be soft. It can be closed or it can be open. And I, I, I'm absolutely convinced that Thanksgiving has a way of keeping the heart pliable and and tender. It's hard to be genuinely thankful and be hard in your heart. It's hard to be genuinely thankful and still be hard in your heart. Amen. Number three, it promotes and completes generosity. Both of those. It promotes generosity and it also completes generosity. What do I mean mean by that? Thanksgiving awakens our heart. It awakens our heart to others, those who have given to us and those who need our help. Amen. You know, I, I, can, I can honestly testify to this in my own life and Cindy's life that anytime someone has come to us and been gracious to us and many of you in this house are those very people who have been kind to us over the years and gone all out just to make us in one way or another feel special or to aid us or help us. In our life and in our Christian journey, our first response was not to ask for more. Our first response was to find out how we could take that more and be a blessing to somebody else. You know where I'm going with this. You and I are blessed to be a blessing. Say it I am blessed to be a blessing. And thanksgiving keeps me in that spot of being generous when it comes to giving back to God and also giving into the lives of other people. Jesus said it right when he said it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. But thanksgiving also has a way, the second part of that also has a way, I don't hear many people talk about this, but it also has a way of fully receiving, opening the heart to fully receive. What God has for us. Not just initially receiving. But fully receive. Even over time. What God has for us. We have a real bad habit. Of starting fast and finishing really slow. If we finish at all. I know you don't want to say amen to that. But you know it's true. We prove it about this time of year, especially coming into the new year. We get all excited about something new, and then it becomes old sooner than we thought, and we either abandon it or we just kind of lose sight of it. Thanksgiving keeps me in a place where I can receive from the hand of God or someone else that God has put in my life and continue to receive it until what God began in me, He can finish in me. I'll say that about your healing. All right, And that's just one example. But when you ask for healing and you receive it from God and you thank God for it, keep thanking God. Especially as you fight through the circumstance or you fight through the pain or you fight through the bad report. Continue to thank God for it. It completes that, I'm going to call it a transaction, there's a better word there, and I say that because of the fear that some people think of faith as money. And they spend it with God. And that's the wrong way to think about faith. Alright? You have to think about it in different terms. God gives to us freely. That's called grace. Our response to grace is trust, faith, thanksgiving. And when we continue in thanksgiving, we fully can receive what God is giving to us. Is that helping anybody? Look at Philippians 4, 6 with me. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made to God. Number four, I think thanksgiving, this may seem a little strange to you. Listen, listen up. I think it encourages faithfulness. And I think about thanking God every day. Doesn't it produce some faithfulness in you? Just remembering God's goodness, you know, in our ups and our downs, you know, we don't always get it right. Or have you noticed? And God still remains constant. He remains the same. He continues to pour into our life and give us his best, certainly when we can't deserve it and we don't deserve it. If you're here this morning and you feel like you've committed the sin God can't forgive, you know, I, I dare you to listen with your heart today. It's already been said. It's already been shown how much God loves you. And God, even if you've shut the door on God, God's still knocking on that door wanting to get back into your life. He's not going to hold it against you. He wants to come in and clean clean things up. He wants to work with you. He wants you to know how dear you are to Him and He's ready and willing to show it again today. Thank God. Can you say thank God for that? Amen. Amen. Number five, I think Thanksgiving, almost done, defeats the spirit of pride. Pride doesn't seem much uh, something that we much talk about anymore, kind of like sin. We don't talk much about it anymore, but pride is a horrible disconnect with, uh, with God. It's actually making your world self-centered. Sometimes we think of people who are prideful as just having their chest out and they're really arrogant sort of people. And you've been around people like that. I know I have. It's hard to be around people who are just out there like that. It's not confidence. It's arrogance. And it's hard. It's distasteful. You know, it's like the whole world revolves around. There's not a single man in this this room or in our world who's self-made. How stupid is that? To even say that out of your mouth. What about all those people who helped you along the way, even if you walked on their heads? Even if you shattered their lives while you were on your way to the penthouse? I guarantee you, even if they were nothing but stepping stones, they were a help to you. You're not self-made. Nobody is. How ridiculous is it to think that life should be all about me? It just doesn't make any sense to me. It makes sense to some people. And God resists the proud. Doesn't say He doesn't love them. He loves everybody, but He resists them. Because he's not that way at all, and they, they've disconnected very quickly. I won't go into depth in this story. I hope you will. Uh, it's found in two places in the Old Testament: Second Chronicles chapter thirty-two and verse twenty-five about a great king by the name of Hezekiah, and then also in Second Samuel chapter twenty-four, the last two verses of that chapter uh, speaks of King David. Two kings. Responding two different ways in different circumstances. Hezekiah's circumstances were that he had tasted. He was a godly man, and he had experienced the favor of God so much. The Bible says that people were bringing gifts to his God. They were so impacted by Hezekiah's life that they were bringing gifts to His God and wanting to know who His God was, that they were also bringing gifts and laying them at Hezekiah's feet. It was a time of incredible. He was a reformer in his day, a great, great reformer. And he was in a period of great, great um, grace and favor from God. But he got sick. And he, and he, he cried out to God for a sign and for help. And the Bible says that God responded immediately to him and gave him a sign concerning his health and concerning his future. But then the verse 25, I think it is, tells us that he did not respond to God in kind. That he instead offered God a proud response to the favor that God was giving him in that moment. He forgot the favor of God. And instead, it was like he's saying, well, you know, God should have done this for me. Come on, don't look at me like you've never done that at times. I hope you haven't. But it's like us going before God and, and asking God for something and God gives us an answer and we go, well, I kind of deserve that. I'm a pretty good person. God, you should have done that. You should have answered my prayer. Look at how great I am and all that I'm doing for the kingdom of God that's not the way to respond amen Amen. pride comes before you know the verse pride comes before what destruction and a haughty spirit comes before the fall so what helps us in that battle david on the other hand you know he had sinned he had sinned it's a sin that many of us don't know understand much about because he he numbered the people he took a census it was against the will of god for for what he was trying to do, sort of put attention on the strength of Israel being in its numbers instead of being in Almighty God. God was not happy with it. The Bible says David sinned, but he recognized his sin, and he went to God and he repented of sin. The prophet came to him and said, you know, there are three judgments you choose. Which one of these are going to come against Israel because of what you did? And David cried out to God and said, God, don't punish them. I did this. And I'm so sorry I did this. And so God gave instruction to go offer a sacrifice, to build an offer, and 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 offer a sacrifice. And and David had favor in that moment from a from a certain man. I can't properly pronounce his name, so I'll just call him Al. And and Al offered King David everything and said, you know, this is everything you need to do this altar and to to satisfy. Uh, God's heart in this. Here, I want to give it to you. And that's when David said to him, it's become somewhat famous now, David turned to him and said, no, I will not offer unto God. I will not make an offering to God something that costs me nothing. You see, when God, God, and I'm going to get to this, I think it's the next point. So when God does something for us or promotion comes, we should look to going lower. Becoming more humble. See, in our society, when promotion comes and it takes us above the people, we end up lacking the separation in our new position between us and the people that God meant for us to serve. And there's something good in that for somebody here today. All right, let's get to the next one here. It develops humility. I'm almost done. Sincere. Some of you are looking at me and say, don't say that again, Pastor. I don't believe you. Anytime you say you're finished. I'm almost finished. Number six. It develops humility. Thanksgiving develops humility. Sincere Thanksgiving helps us go lower so that we can be the greater servant. Amen. Number seven, and I'm done, invites promotion. Thanksgiving actually invites promotion. Jesus was the one who taught if you want to be great in the kingdom of God then you have to be willing to become the servant of all. Not make them your servants. Come on church, help me. I'm almost done. Promotion doesn't come to, to us to make other people our servants. Promotion comes to us. Thanksgiving helps us get there. Because God can trust a thankful heart. He can't. Because it's outwards and not all inwards focused. Amen? So God doesn't promote us to make other people our servant. He promotes us to make us a greater servant. James 4.10, humble yourself in the sight of God. He will lift you up. First Peter 5, 5 and 6. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. He's not just picking on the younger people here, but it's important part for all of us especially as we look to those who are older than us to get this truth. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud and he gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you.